You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello, Ethan. Hello. How are you doing? As I am wont to say, I feel fine. That's Inside, great. Inside, yeah. In- I feel fine. Okay. Outside, I feel fine. Yeah, that was what I was wondering. I'm glad. I realized I was setting you up for yeah. some sort of contrast there. Mm-hmm. I feel good. Morgan is still slaving away on the house that we bought as of this recording. Dang, big deal. Yeah, so I really am hoping here in the next few weeks we'll be in. Yeah. Uh, not her fault that we're, I mean, she's working very hard. It's just one of those things where you discover things. That More than you expect. Always, yeah. 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 Hmm. That's just the way it is. And someone came over to help us last night with some hmm. stuff, and I was talking to them about how I applied a coat of paint to the banister on our stairs. We have a banister with these like yeah. fancy little spindles. spindles. Not like square straight. It's like the uh, yeah. little, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Scallops and, yeah, and yeah. curves. And yeah, exactly. Shaped. And so we wanted that painted black. It's currently like white, but very dirty. Just mm-hmm. so it needed cleaned or painted mm-hmm. anyway. So I'm like, well, we'll, we'll paint it black. So Great was, contrast, by the way. It looks awesome. Yeah, it's coming along. But uh, it's really sad because when I started it, I was like, I could get this all done. First coat on in four to six hours. That's a lot of hours, actually. I did not expect that. Oh, well, that's adorable because it has actually taken me almost 12 to get the what? first coat on. Oh, my word. Yeah, that was what I spent almost, I took two personal days recently, and that's that was what I spent so most of my time, time doing. It's because those stinking spindles, man. Oh they are no word. joke. And the way it, it's just, it's crazy. And it's just crazy. It's crazy. Like that kind of stuff. So that's what I'm saying is like, you know, you're taking up more time doing that stuff than you would perhaps think. Yeah, that you would perhaps so. want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Anyway, so I say that to say like, we're actually, I mean, having a good time and yeah. stuff's getting That sounds done. relative, but I'm going to yeah. let you have it. <laughs> uh, well, it's different too, because most of the work that I do on a regular basis is all really mental kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And oh, we've yeah. talked about this, you yeah. know, privately that like, ah, you're just not sure. Like, is this having an effect? Like, how is this coming along? Some of it feels more subjective than other things. Yeah, and, it can be hard to gauge. Yeah. Whereas... Oh, I know. I got that first coat of paint on and it's done. And I can see the progress. I can see the difference exactly. immediately. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's been a nice change of pace and it'll be nice to be in the house when we're yeah, that's true. in it. The fruit of your labors yes. will be on display every time you take the stairs. Yes, yes. And I will think, wow, look at that. That took a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a parable in persistence. True. So anyway, yeah. Wow. Enough about me. How about you? I'm doing fine. Pretty good, all things considered lot going on, but um, we now live in a world that has seen the first trailer for Spider-Man. I was just about to mention that! Oh, what a gift. What a, yeah. what, what a reprieve from the false rumors. Finally, they paid off. We yes. got to see it, and it seems like we are full-on paying homage. We are celebrating the greatest superhero film ever made in 2004. That is Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. 2. Thank you to the great visionary Samuel M. Raimi. Amen. Wow. What a great film. I'm so Amazing. Thrilled. I do want to sit down and watch it again. I want to watch at least the first two Spider-Man films again. Yeah. The original, like 2002, 2004. Yeah. I'll, I'll skip Andrew Garfield. No offense. I'll definitely. Yeah, I'll watch him another thing. He's a good actor. Oh, yeah. I just don't like his character in that. Yeah. Just, Which is not even his fault. It's actually the no. way they wrote it. I'm yeah. going to say, bad job. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. Not good. Yeah. Your brother, though, he really likes the suit. We argue about that. Oh, does he? I'm like, no, 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 no. No, 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 my friend. <laughs> It's the Maguire suit that you you really that's right deep down. You... It is the best one, and we all it know is. this. Oh, we all golly. know this. What yeah. an exciting time! Indeed, we around. I, I was actually thinking last night. No better era. Yeah, you truly. Know, if, if you were to lay out all of human time and just say, 
pick a place to be. I'm like, I want the era where I get to see the original Raimi films, and then I get to see them brought back over a decade later. Yeah. <laughs> oh. do you think it's been almost two decades yes. since? It's insane. Spider-Man. It's, we're very close. It's going to be, what, 18 years, more or less? Yep. It's amazing to think about that. It is. Good grief. Yeah, just downright incredible. I mean, 2021 has basically just been a blink. It has been. It's been a fugued state. We are, as of this recording, already almost to September. I know. It's just wild. Absolutely wild. And then 2022, pff, be here. Yeah. We just took a mulligan for like two years straight. <laughs> Yeah, I saw a thing recently that, was like, that said, like, when I say last year, I actually mean 2019. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I understand entirely. <sighs> well, that's all fun stuff. Lots of good things happening. Something that's maybe more questionable oh. is a little phrase. <laughs> oh, no, it's, uh, yeah, well, have you ever heard the saying, no creed but the Bible? No, no, it's, I haven't. There's a, it's a phrase. Sometimes people use it. Yeah, it's a saying. No creed, but the Bible. I think I've heard phrases similar to that. No something, but us. What is that phrase? Uh, no I something, don't know. something. I'm not sure. No, I'm gonna Google this in real time. Yeah, no Google it. <laughs> no something, but us. No, <laughs> that's not. That's not gonna work. No real party. Uh, well, you know what? That was a fun to try. <laughs> But did not pay off at all. <laughs> well, there is a phrase that goes, no creed but the Bible. Okay. And uh, it is a well-known saying amongst certain corners of evangelicalism. Sure. It's cut on. It's a bit of a, um, I don't want to say fad, but is that correct? And that would be not a bad term to use. And I heard this phrase again recently, and okay. I really started wondering, is that really helpful to even, uh. because... Uh, we'll talk about what I think they're trying to get to, yeah. but even that aside, is that a helpful phrase? Sure. I'm not sure. Well, let me tell you what I what I do like about it. Just uh, yeah. based on absolutely nothing, <laughs> as I did just say, I've never heard it. Um, but I do think at first what it brings me to is the sense that maybe there's a freedom, if not an expectation, to like reject other ideology. Sure. In this context, what I think of is a great competing ideology is like political ideology, yeah. or perhaps one might say idolatry oh yes <laughs> what um but you know and i also right. think there's maybe a sense that fosters a wariness or a skepticism of fat theology which is yeah. extra ironic considering the circumstance yeah <laughs> um i also like that it places the bible in great esteem here it does we're, place, we're making yes. that central we're, we're not getting super loose with interpretations there yes so it does I agree. it does give it some importance that's great yes that said some red flags are floating here in the distance. I, I see them from afar. I see them from afar. <laughs> red um, flag ahoy! <laughs> but like particularly, I think this makes me concerned about how you might interpret scripture. Yeah. It's often hugely inaccurate to just run with your gut on a first interpretation. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anything, that's that's a great way to invent heresy. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't say! <laughs> I feel like there's usually a lot more to understanding what you're, what you're reading or what you're supposed to take away, whether whether that's like the time or the audience, even the author. More recently, I've been drawn to like the way something is written. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. not necessarily apparent to us. Yeah. I think sometimes a modern lens can do more to, to hinder you than you miss something that was second nature to the intended audience. Mm -hmm. That's like super valuable and transforms your understanding mm -hmm. of the passage. So, you know, these details are not preferable.
prefaced. Yeah. So to say no creed, but the Bible's like, well, I want something to help me interpret what I am reading. Yeah. How do, how do I yeah, sort through it? Because I don't right. want to rely on that's my right. gut. Yeah. See, yeah, you've hit on all the things that are wow. going on here. <laughs> well, the whole thing was a veiled preface. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I get the heart behind it. I do want to say that. So if someone has said that or liked that, I do get exactly what you said, is that you're really trying to give preeminence to the scripture. I I actually think this is kind of interesting that it feels like someone was trying to really summarize the doctrine of sola scriptura in, you know, like, well, 10 words or less. I do. I see that connection. And you got that. But sola scriptura is very different from no creed but the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. So I think what people are, if you're assuming the best, trying to say when they use this Mm. phrase or something like it is to say... Scripture is my final and highest authority. It's yeah. the word of God, and that's what I'm going to for matters pertaining to life and faith you know, and godliness. i say something else I like about it, whilst we still have it in this, you know, thinking the best of, yes. of the intended meaning. I like that, you know, as you kind of indicated there, you were talking about the preeminence of this as, as opposed to looking to celebrity figureheads. Yes. You know what I mean? It's right. like something that it's like, well, where's the motivation coming from here? Where's the background knowledge? Has this been vetted, compared? I like that centrality, which yeah. I really, at this point I'm repeating myself, but you know, that's how we workshop no. these things. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> no. So yeah, that's very true. And um, plug another podcast here, but I think you listen to a podcast like The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, a guy yeah. like Mark Driscoll, very charismatic, mm-hmm. excellent teacher, preacher. And it's very tempting to just ask, well, what did Pastor Mark say about this passage? And then just, yeah. just go with that. Be like, okay, cool. So yeah, when you get a phrase like no creed but the Bible, I think you're trying to guard yourself against those kinds of things. Yeah. But ultimately, I want to say this phrase really doesn't actually end up working if you take it as it is. Okay. So, for example, if you consult the scripture itself, scripture assumes the church's need for teachers who will formulate teaching, right? <laughs> like, um, you got like passages like in Ephesians where Paul says, God gave the church shepherds and teachers, mm. which that implicitly presumes, oh, well, you're going to need someone who can read the scripture and then unfold its meaning and that there are going to be figures in the church who will be able to help you see things that you might not be able to see at first glance. Exactly. Who might be more skilled at That's a good way to put it. unfolding what's actually there. Not yeah. inventing things, but like, oh, I can right. see things that are there that otherwise you might be tempted to gloss over. Yeah. Or in your current context, you might read it a certain way and be like unable oh, with that, much. with yeah. those glasses, so to speak, to possibly even think about it another way. And a good teacher could come in and say, well, let's take those off for a minute. Have you thought about it like this? Yeah. Oh, wow. No, that actually, that makes more sense, perhaps. Yeah. So you really start cutting against that a little bit if you take No Creep of the Bible very seriously, because good teachers will formulate teachings. And that's good. We should be able to have access to that. That comes back to your point of like, mm. I need and want help interpreting what I'm reading in the Bible. Yeah. Something ironic about this may be worth pointing out. Yeah. If we were all super good at that anyway and did not need the help, would we even have the epistles? Yes. That is a great, great point. Wow. Off Um, the cuff here. Yeah, because, and I I feel like I I sometimes pick on our our Catholic cousins a little bit on this, and I apologize. I'm not trying to pick, but that's one of the points that the Catholic Church will bring up is, for instance, you kind of get this like the teaching magisterium. Basically, you have to agree with what they say, Mm -hmm. more or less. Right. And um, they would say that the church is basically what was set over and determined, you know, here's what constitutes scripture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Very complicated discussion, but the point being, it's the word of God that actually creates the church. 
not the other way, like the epistles are the perfect example of that. Like if the church could speak with an infallible voice, that's what I'm getting at. If the church could speak with an infallible voice, the epistles didn't need to be written. You know what I mean? Like Paul didn't need to write letters to correct the church if it could speak exactly. and teach infallibly. So you definitely have that going on. Also, not all scripture is equally clear and scripture itself says this. So like Peter says, there are things in Paul that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. He Whoa. says that wow. in Second Peter. So loaded that. Yeah. There it is right there. And this also, I think, to come back to the link to Sola Scriptura, this also works with an incorrect understanding of the clarity of Scripture. So the theological term for this is the perspicuity of Scripture. Okay. So that is the doctrine that says that Scripture is clear. Basically, you like how I used all those terms are clarity, perspicuity, clear, <laughs> that it's not this like obscurant Gnostic mystery text. Okay. That's what we're saying. Okay? okay. Now, people will take the doctrine of perspicuity and without fully understanding it, say we can completely and totally understand scripture by ourselves without any additional help. Okay. Uh, but the funny thing is, is that's not what the doctrine has ever, again, we're talking historically, yeah. ever said. Okay. What the doctrine of perspicuity would say, and you could take a sampling of this, just so you know, I'm not pulling it out of the air. If you go consult the Westminster Confessions teaching on this in their first chapter, they will say things like scripture is not clear or all alike in all passages. So what they're getting at there is to say something like, basically, everything that you need to understand to be saved is clear. Ah, okay. Not everything else is. Yeah, I feel like I've heard this misunderstood a large portion of my life, mm-hmm. actually. And, you know, I don't think it's obviously meant to be malicious. Right. I think it's just a misunderstanding. Yes. I feel like it's kind of comfortable. It feels good to say, hey, I believe in this and everything is super clear. I just, yeah. just read it, buddy. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> what a nice thought. Yes. But yes. there's so much like over the past uh, even five years or less right. that I've come to like hear a little bit more, hear a little bit of context. Hear like, what if you've maybe been thinking about this wrong? Yeah. And that quote unquote wrong is like, that was just maybe just taking it as it is and not really thinking too critically. Right. And it's mm-hmm. led me down what could truly land you in heresy mm-hmm. unintentionally. Right. Because you've applied your first instinct to it. Yes. And you haven't, you haven't taken the time. I mean, how many of us do have the academic background and understanding and and know how to do the research mm-hmm. it's not you know that's not simple and yet it is it is necessary to understand some of yeah it. yeah exactly and also i mean to piggyback like that is not to say again like christians shouldn't read their bible like again it's not a gnostic oh, text right right you know what i mean but yeah again you just consult the westminster confession they're very clear on this it's like yes like read it you can understand it but not all parts are equally clear yeah and that's why we have teachers and why you have like creeds and confessions and things like that because it, it, it does help you interpret what is there. And again, it's not like pastors or theologians or professors are the only people who can understand it, but like right. that's what they give their lives to, more or less, is the study of scripture <laughs> exactly. to help unfold it. Exactly. Who am um, I to criticize like a scholar of Paul? Yeah. It's like, so, no, 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 buddy, I'm pretty sure this is my uh this is my first instinct and I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I design pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I don't have a lot of authority Ooh. there. Yeah, but it's like I like take like a concrete example. I finished Second Thessalonians a while back, and you have some stuff in there, very clear stuff on like Christian conduct. Okay, like okay. that's like okay, like yeah, like Christians should persevere in prayer and stuff like that. Okay, like yeah, simple. Okay, yeah. no no problem with that. But then he has this little section where he talks about the man of lawlessness. 
waiting to be revealed uh-huh. and that someone is holding him back. I mean, it's like this very, very confusing passage. Yeah. That's not a clear passage. No. Like, And all you have to do is just go pick three random commentators, theologians on that passage, and you will discover there is no consensus on that passage. That kind of thing. So yeah. it's, that's when we're talking about perspicuity, we're saying everything you need to know to be saved and to live a godly life, God is not how you're hiding that from you. I think that you know is I mean? an essential clarification. Yeah, but there are things like that, like the man of lawlessness. Like, yeah. uh, what? Mm. Like, I, you know, like, what is, where does that fit? And you can't understand it, but you need help. And like, God sure. designed it to be that way. I actually think it could be discouraging if you're under the assumption that all things are clear. And then you're yeah. like, I cannot understand what's happening. Right. You start wondering if like, is there something wrong with me? Yeah. You know? Genuinely, I've been there. I'm like, wait, I've I've been a Christian all my life. Yeah. How do I not understand what's happening? Right. Like, how do I not, yeah. frankly, how do I not have like better recall? <laughs> I think that's a different issue. So I think yeah. it's really genuinely more discouraging. And I think I would have been delighted to hear at an early age, like what's essential. Okay. That's, that's yeah. one thing that is clear enough. Right. We don't have to worry. But yes, there are also things that we're not completely clear on that we're not. Right. We don't have a consensus about every detail. There's room for interpretation. That does not make you like wrong or evil or less than, I guess. Yeah. Right. Right. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. And on that note. When you talk about creeds and confessions especially, I mean, there are a lot of them out there. I mean, you think like, okay, you got the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Athanasian, Chalcedonian. You've got the Westminster Confession, the 1689 Baptist Confession, Helvetic, Second Helvetic, Three Forms of Unity. I mean, you just got a lot here, right? A lot. I love love them. That's why I'm like, that's great. Um, 39 articles for my Anglican friends. You have a lot of them, and... I think there is actually a certain amount. Again, I don't think most people intend it this way, but there can be a certain amount of hubris in saying no creed but the Bible and ignoring and saying, I'm not going to pay any attention to all the work and thought that went into the formulation of like these creeds and confessions to say that like, well, I don't need the help of the church fathers Mm -hmm. or of the reformers of the great medieval scholastics, like those kinds of folks to say like, you don't have to agree with all of them. Like, but they can help you understand here's how the church has historically understood scripture. And here's what the church has historically taught. And then the idea I think in our times is to continue to build on that. Like, exactly. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to start over from scratch. Like, I think that's where the greatest theological advancements have happened, where you've been able to build off of what these guys have built Mm -hmm. and what they've said. And then it's kind of like this cycle where, you know, you read the Bible and then as an example, like, let's say you took the Apostles' Creed. That is the most distilled, essential formulation of the Christian faith as taught in Scripture, right? And that's why we can use it, because it's a faithful reflection of Scripture. So you read the Scripture and then you come to the Creed and then you are like, oh, okay, that's a faithful formulation. And then you go back to scripture again with the creed in mind. And then it kind of creates this feedback it, loop it, it where helps you... your interpretive pursuit. Yes, yes, exactly. I think it would just be, I think, sad and in a certain sense foolish to ignore that. Yeah. I heard a guy who was comparing this kind of theological inquiry and scriptural interpretive pursuit, like having a um, grandfather you really respected, who was like a war veteran or something like that, decorated war veteran who you really loved and admired. And like, it would be really silly if you didn't like listen to his counsel once or like go and like consult him and talk to him. But it would probably not be good either if you just carte blanche agreed with everything he said yeah. and just said, oh yeah, I'm just going to do that because right. grandpa said you so. You don't have to become the person just like, yes. you don't have to adopt 
wholesale the ideology of somebody who came before, it's fair to say that maybe not everything landed quite right. Right. But it would be foolhardy to, to discard it yeah. all. And to carry the analogy another step, if your grandpa is a wise person and healthy relationally and spiritually, mm. they'll want you to make advancements, so to speak, to not, oh, yeah. not be a parrot, you know? Right. They would want you to come into your own, so to speak, in a healthy way. And uh, I think, you know, that would be true of, you know, a guy like Augustine who wrote the Confessions. Yeah. Yeah. He'd want you to do that. So I think you have that. And then also, I think the other thing worth saying about this and why I think No Creep at the Bible isn't super helpful is the creeds and confessions and orthodox teachings of the church, they create boundaries in which you can safely play, hmm. so to speak. Kind of like a wide fenced in backyard. Or let's let's switch to the analogy even. I'll try to get into the art world for a minute and <laughs> see what you think. Because, you know, this could be completely wrong. But I feel like there's a sense in which what would you rather have? I'll ask you this. This is fun. <laughs> this could completely backfire, but like, would you rather have someone commission you for a work and mm. give you some boundaries, mm-hmm. some parameters, versus saying they commission you and like, hey, uh, I need you to do something, make something for me, whatever you want. Just make something. <laughs> well, as you well know, that latter is a nightmare. Yeah, isn't that terrible? Um, yeah, it really is. Because for so many reasons, you know, what I want to design, for instance, it's not really what someone's asking for. I need yeah. to know what you're looking for to give my best effort effort in making that a reality. Yeah. So I think those boundaries help what you're doing flourish, actually. Yeah. Help your pursuits flourish. I think even in their absence, I find myself creating them. I, yes. I create goals for myself. I create guidelines for myself. And honestly, that's fun. Like, I enjoy that. Yeah. So it's like I'm able to think in that way and plan for myself and, and then kind of learn from it when that doesn't go super well. I'm like, yeah. where did that go wrong? So I it is really in many ways essential to to help you and as it applies to this reach your best potential yes exactly and that's what i think is so true of well everything you just said but that these boundaries far from inhibiting Mm. theological creativity and i know that could even sound like a weird thing to say like theological creativity (laughs) but i mean if you take like a guy here's just one example for you there was a biblical theological scholar in the 1900s named Gerhard Voss. Mm. You read his stuff, he was innovative theologically. He really advanced the ball down the field, but he did it within the boundaries of orthodoxy. And at a time in the church's history, especially in the West, where they were trying to say things like, these boundaries are inhibiting creativity, he put them to shame. Like, I mean, just as far as like what he was able to produce, like, other guys, like, we don't know what they were writing about, but Gerhard Voss's work has endured. Wow. One little phrase he said, this is kind of a theologically quirky term, but I'll explain it because I think it's just an example of this, and then we'll, we'll conclude this episode. But he said, in the fields of theology, soteriology is the study of salvation, okay. right? Just like how we're saved, work of Christ, that kind of stuff. And eschatology is the study of last things. So like the end, right? not just like end times, but like what is the ultimate goal of humanity, that oh, kind of okay. stuff, okay? So typically you put eschatology like at the end of your studies, right? Like that's like <laughs> sequentially, it's always at the end, last right. things, right? Well, he had this brilliant little line in a sermon he preached where he said, eschatology precedes soteriology. He was talking about Genesis. He was talking about how, like, actually, the goal of humanity, you get a picture of that before redemption or salvation were even a thing. Yeah. It's like, you can find the goal at the beginning. But no one had said that before. And, like, no one that was arguing oh, yeah, these boundaries are really inhibiting us. He worked very tightly within these boundaries. He was yeah. a very, you know, orthodox-minded man. And he was saying things like that. He did all kinds of stuff like that. Wow. 
And he did that because he had that playground, so to speak. And the Bounders created that realm of free play where you could really explore and, you know, tinker around safely without, you know, becoming an Aryan or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So, yeah. I understand, to to wrap this up, the heart behind No Creep at the Bible. And again, I don't think 98% of people mean that maliciously or have any ill intent in using that. Or they're not trying to disparage the past. But I think it's just a reminder to say uh, a lot of great work has been done before us. And if we really want to keep moving forward, we want to build off of what has been said and what's been done before. I would Um, certainly not trust myself alone to figure that out. Also, how exhausting would it be to have to (laughs) reinvent the wheel every time? So, Uh, A lot of wheels. Yeah. Well, thanks as always for listening. And uh, if you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media. And as always, if you found this content helpful, if you, uh, <laughs> no creep at the Bible, I mean, you're, you're listening to this, so, you know, maybe, maybe that's not your scene, but, uh, you know, you want to leave us an honest five-star review, it'd be great. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.